I feel like I'm back in college, like for the first time. Okay. Because people are talking about the new Tool album. <laughs> Which, why are they doing that? <laughs> yeah, no. I, have, I don't know. I don't I, know. Fred. I don't know. You you're, uh, you missed Tool the first time around. You're I missed not a, Tool the first time around. You're not even a frog around. metal guy and I'm, in I'm the first place. Not uh, up on Tool the second time around, apparently, either. I tell you what the, the thing about Tool is. Is that when you are 16 years old, mm-hmm. like they are a cool band because they're they've got a lot of musical talent and they're they they are the kind of writers and thinkers that make 16 year old white boys yeah think that they're very intelligent. Okay, sure. Okay. Well, they, I, here's also the thing is I don't think that that's very hard to do. No, I think a lot of 16 year old white boys think. They're geniuses. Oh, every one of them yeah, actually no. thinks that. I think that's like no, part it's not of hard shtick. to. Yeah, it's not hard to convince a sixteen-year-old boy of that. But they have that sort of like, yeah, sheeple. Oh, you know, yeah. Sort of mentality. Do you to think the they? Band. Do you think they like Rick and Morty? I imagine that they either like Rick and Morty or they make you make a big deal out of like telling you that they don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which. One A, one B, basically the yeah. same. <laughs> Both extremes are the same end. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. In that case, all right. I need an intro on this thing. This week on episode forty-six of Cheeseheads in Chicago Land, Mike and Matt take a look at the final fifty-three man roster. Talk for about ten seconds about last week's preseason game against the Chiefs and preview Thursday's regular season week one matchup against the Chicago Bears. That's coming up on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll do it. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about Green Bay Packers. My name is Mike Fleischman. I am in my beautiful south side estate, and I am joined, as usual, by a bunch of cats and Matt Mellumsetter. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. How's it going? It's going good. We're so close. We are so close. It's We're recording on Tuesday afternoon. We're, you know, less than a little bit more than 48 hours away. Excitedly. That was a Christopher Walken sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you just made there is good. Well, I, I, I turn into famous actors when I get excited about football. Um, and I'm very excited about Thursday night's game. We've we've seen a lot of stuff happen since the last time that we did a podcast, which is such an awesome thing to say. Yeah. Because oh we stopped doing podcasts for a while there because nothing was occurring. So there was nothing to talk about, but we've seen the final preseason game, mm-hmm. which was a purely second string and third string battle against the Chiefs. Yep. We've seen the roster cutdowns, and we've seen a couple of trades and other moves to further finalize the 53-man roster. Now practices are going on. The media is back to talking about whether or not Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers get along, which is brace yourself for 16 more weeks of that. Yeah, yeah we're going to get that. Because that's fun. Every week for the rest uh-huh. of time. Yeah. When Aaron Rodgers retires at age 42, the question will be, is he retiring because he doesn't like Coach <laughs> Matt LaFleur? Uh, and the answer is going to be no. He's just old. No, maybe he doesn't 
doesn't want to play football anymore. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have to play football anymore. Uh, to, I just off the top today was today was back to the Matt Lafleur insists that Aaron Rodgers is allowed to audible. Yeah, well, news of course, headlines. Of course, of course, he's going to be allowed to audible. What in what world did you think that Aaron Rodgers would not be allowed to audible? He's not a Mitchell Trubisky. He's not a Jared Goff where he's given one choice. Most likely, he's going to have a small menu, probably about five or six plays to pick from that he can audible out of. Like, in what world will Aaron Rodgers not be given the ability to audible at the line? This is not high school football. No, no. Last year, when Lowell's starting senior quarterback went down and they pressed the junior wide receiver into action Mm -hmm. as the quarterback, that man was not allowed to audible. No, he shouldn't be allowed to audible. He doesn't know how to read a defense. Yeah. (laughs) He's a wide receiver. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. He knows he, he, he knows how to read defense. He knows what he's doing. We've seen him draw plays up in the huddle. Like he can do whatever. If he wants to call an audible, he can call an audible. Now it's important that he also knows that a huge chunk of this offense is built on the pacing and the tempo and how the plays string together, play after play after play after play, and that's very different from Mike McCarthy's offense, which was kind of just. Uh, go out there. This route seems like it might win, um, and focus on isolation routes and one on ones. But with Lafleur's offense, so much of it is about how each play feeds into the next. And I'm curious about that because when you think about that, you obviously think about a, a quicker moving offense, mm-hmm. not so much a no huddle offense. Which no huddle offenses have very quickly become the kind of like snap it as the clock runs down to two seconds mm-hmm. type of offenses. But this more is more of a Get it up and run it. Make make quicker reads and keep the defense backpedaling and keep your offensive line in downhill run blocking mode a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it work in the preseason yet, so I'm curious to see if it works in the regular season. And I'm also curious to see if it, if uh, particularly against the Bears, who have a very good defense, mm-hmm. whether or not that kind of tempo will result in a major time of possession difference. Especially if it's unsuccessful in the beginning against the Bears, we're ahead of ourselves. Yeah, a little bit here. We'll so let's step a little bit back in, in the time. Um, have you seen Stranger Things? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm watching Stranger Things right Which, now. Are you on the third season? No, or? I'm on the first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's a good season. It it has some beats to it. I like the beats in it. Yeah. It's fun. It's kind of. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly don't think it's important. Like when you put a capital I on anything, it's no. it's very, very sort of Schlocky. diet coke. And, yeah. and but I thought it think it's really well done. Yeah, that's my well. It's it's new coke. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my thought. I like a, I like a good retro vibe. I was yeah. born in nineteen eighty, so I was a ten year old kid in nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. So right in that right in that point of time where I kind of understand the the references and like I feel that wood paneled flavor. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good show. Mainly, mainly important in the Kansas City game. Sure, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Stranger Things because you're a movie guy. Yeah, uh, mainly important in the Kansas City game is that we saw the final result of the Kaiser Boyle battle. Yeah, and I noticed against Oakland, and then also in this game that Boyle had the upper hand. And it's not only how he's pro- progressed in preseason games, but also apparently what he's been doing in practice and yeah. what they think of 
of his ability to to lead the offense. Mm-hmm. He's still a slow starter. Yeah, but of course, you know this is we all know that Boyle made this roster. Kaiser didn't. Yeah, Kaiser's now on the Oakland Raiders. Yep. But I, I think this is a right choice, and this is something that we disagree on. Yeah, I disagree so this is this is a good this. good place to start. Yeah. Um, I, I guess make your case for Deshaun Kaiser, and what has he shown you that says that tells you that he's a good number two or a possible number one? Uh, so my biggest thing with Deshaun Kaiser is Deshaun Kaiser is going into his fifth offense in four <laughs> in four years. Um, he's twenty three years old. It's pretty extreme to expect him to immediately grasp onto every single thing. He's had no consistency over the last five years, including being on the worst Browns team, uh, the worst football team probably in, in NFL history. Uh, besides that, what we've seen from Deshaun Kaiser is, especially in this preseason, is a lot of brilliant throws and great throws down the seam, down the sidelines that the plays aren't made. There, he had a brilliant deep ball to T.O. Redding. He threw it about 60 yards, 65 yards in the air goes right through Tio Redding's hands, doesn't even touch his hands. His hands are outstretched, and it goes right through the middle. Like it's a Yeah, that, play, that play hurt me a little. And so, you know, Brian Gutkunst at the beginning of this this battle was like whoever plays the best in the preseason games is going to get the job. And so Tim Boyle plays better in the preseason games, but he doesn't make the kind of throws and plays that we see Deshaun Kaiser make consistently that are then dropped and failed on by guys like Tio Redding or... Alan Lazard across the middle, guys who are practice squad guys. I think they stacked the deck against Kaiser a little bit. I will grant you this, especially when they moved him to the second half of games, let Boyle start them. Yeah. Is that you had Tio Redding out there. Tio Redding is not going to be on an NFL no. three-man roster. He's, he's not, not going to be he's a not an NFL squad. quality wide receiver. No. And, by any stretch. And so what I saw over the preseason is that pretty consistently the best drives were led by Deshaun Kaiser despite his teammates' play. While Tim Boyle led in all the statistical categories, watching Deshaun Kaiser manage the game, make the right throws, he was—he just looked more put together. And he's going to get a shot on the Oakland Raiders. I don't really believe in Derek Carr. Um, but to me, it was a situation of Tim Boyle pretty often had his guys make plays for him. Deshaun Kaiser didn't. And that's the reason that Kaiser didn't make the team. Yeah, I'm... I'm... A little bit more optimistic on Carr than you because Carr's probably the best or second best player on the Raiders, which is not saying much. No, no, that's really not saying much. That's not saying much. Like I, I don't know if that, I, I don't know that you could, you could probably trade him out and get equal results with like a Ryan Tannehill or a Blake Bortles or a very, you know, yeah, an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I, you know, he, not not one that you're thrilled about, but one that exists. Yeah, I think Derek Carr's right on that Andy Dalton line. I like that. You can maybe win a a playoff game with them, but uh, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with them. I think the thing that really drew me to Boyle and his play is that he throws a he throws a better ball, and he's quicker on his decisions. Sure. And this is a Matt Lafleur offense. Yeah. This is not a turn around three times, reset the field, mm-hmm. scrap you know scrap and direct traffic. This is a yeah make a quick decision when the play is mm-hmm. breaking down. That's what Boyle did, and that's why I think his receivers found themselves in better places to make plays for him. Yeah. Is that the ball was more on time, it was more in stride, it was more in 
within the architecture of what the offense was supposed to do in those situations. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I think that scheme played into this a little bit. Definitely. And I, I and I my only kind of counter to that is is and I wish that we had real statistics for a preseason. We don't really get the in depth stats of like quarterback rating against pressure and stuff, but Tim Boyle looked like a turtle sometimes when the rush would come. Is he would just kind of now the feet aren't very good. Feet aren't good. He's not. He's not going to throw it away. He doesn't have the ability to make something happen if the pocket collapses. But we saw Deshaun Kaiser do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, it's just that there's a lot more physical aspects that I enjoy, uh, and I think that that point in the right direction for Deshaun Kaiser. Plus the fact that he's 23 and has had no stability. Yeah, giving a 23 year old with first round credentials. I mean, he was a guy that a lot of people had slated in the back half of that first round that year, giving him a chance to spend two or three years with the team, learn the offense, stay in the system, be stable at the end of the rookie contract, see where he's ready to go. Um, and instead, we went with the guy who put up better numbers in the preseason games, and I just don't get that. I'm going to give you a counterpoint to that in that Kaiser has now had in three separate NFL seasons yeah. the chance to provide a team with some stability and has not. Yeah, I, I want, I want to contrast Kaiser with. I want to unfairly contrast sure. Kaiser with other quarterbacks who have come into the league and made an immediate impact through the fact that they are talented and ready to actually play NFL quarterback. Yeah, and yeah, you know, of course, Brett Favre is my unfairest comparison. Sure, this guy came in and immediately you could tell this is a special player, maybe not a sane person. Sure, totally. But a special player. Crazy person. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield with the Browns last year. He yeah. comes in and you immediately see a guy who is an improviser as yeah. well as a guy who works within the system. And I wanted to, after that un- unfair comparison, I wanted to ask you, like, what's the road for Kaiser? Like, what what does he do to become a guy who wins? Like, where's the um, where's the road up for him? So I, I first I want to I want to start with kind of talking about that comparison we just made is particularly is with Brett Favre his quarterback was not Hugh Jackson and with Baker Mayfield or his his coach was not Hugh Jackson with Baker Mayfield his coach was Hugh Jackson and he looked bad over the first half of the year and then his coach was not Hugh Jackson and then he looked good yeah and so uh, you I know feel, yeah that's a, that a is big correct. point is that Deshaun Kaiser came in as a project as a a twenty year old quarterback project was immediately thrust into a starting role with Hugh, Hugh Jackson, you can't look for him to provide stability in that situation. Um, but but going into where he's at with Oakland right now, I think, uh, obviously, I think no doubt he's their, their backup quarterback, I mean, above Nathan Peterman yes. and Mike Glennon. I will take Deshaun Kaiser over Glennon Peterman. Yes. Um, so he's their backup quarterback. Derek Carr, I believe, is on like a long extension right now. So, you know, what I think the best case for Deshaun Kaiser is you get to sit with John Gruden, who, you know, kind of a laughing stock now, but historically known as some sort of quarterback whisperer, some kind of guru. If he has guy. a truly great trait as a coach, if it's, he, it's, it's that quarterback relationship. Yes. And so I think this is a great situa- situation for Deshaun Kaiser to hopefully Oakland lets him play out the rest of his rookie contract in Oakland as a backup, no pressure. He gets to sit until he's 25 or 26. 
in the same system for a couple of years, learn and learn and learn, and at the end of that rookie contract, see where he goes. So, I, you know, I, I think the best situation is what he should have had from the beginning now, which is a stable system where there's a quarterback ahead of him where he can sit and learn for a few years. I think the thing that drove me the craziest about Kaiser mm-hmm. was that turn out of the pocket. Yeah. And we saw one during the Kansas City game where he turned and was in his own end zone. Yeah. And we are talking about, like, one of the most complete fundamental breakdowns of football technique that yeah. I've ever seen Yep, on this turn to the far side of the field, like his turn to his left. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was... It looked like his internal computer reset. Yeah. Yep. It was it was one of those things that it's rare to see that kind of a complete fundamental breakdown at the NCAA Division One college level. Yeah. It is that is well below NFL backup level technique from a guy. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the most frustrating thing because we've talked about it a bunch when he's on read one. Boy, he is good. Bang, yeah. He is so good. And then when when the script goes out the window and yeah. you can't see it anymore, but it, it goes worse than than you'd expect. And I and I think there's it's also just a, a, I think overall Deshaun Kaiser is just inconsistent because sometimes his read one looks not good, and also <laughs> sometimes when the play breaks down. He will make something crazy happen because he's so big and he'll bounce off of defenders and he's got a massive arm and he'll throw a dime ball 60 yards down. But there's no consistency in the decision-making from play to play to play. Um, And I think that's the the biggest issue. And I think, again, that just comes with being able to sit and learn the offense and go day by day by day and not have to worry about, um, you know, pure performance uh, as a quarterback in-game situations. But that is your... That's your disagreement between the two of us. But yeah. Boyle, Boyle wins. Um, I still think that if you're looking at a season without Aaron Rodgers, you're yep. looking at a losing season yep. for sure. So I don't mind giving a look at Boyle just because he has something... He has an elite-level arm strength. That's... Anytime you get a guy with that, like, there's an A-plus, does yeah. it better than... Does it better than ninety nine of these guys? Yeah, you get a, you take a look at it. You see what you can do with it, mm-hmm. and so he's got that at the running back position in the Kansas City game. They were really looking for is it Dexter Williams or yep. is it Trey Carson? Yeah, and despite a fumble, it turned out to have been Dexter Williams. Yeah, and that's probably the right choice. Yeah, totally. Dexter Williams, a late round draft pick. A lot of he's got NFL athleticism. He's got a lot of bursts. He's got Pretty good vision. Uh, as a runner, he's really talented. It's been the, you know, receiving out of the backfield. It's been his pass protection. It's been being in the right spots when he's supposed to be there. That has been his biggest issue. Uh, we saw him get, excuse me, we saw him catch a ball in the Kansas City game. Um, he dropped a few screen passes earlier in the preseason. Um, Trey Carson on the practice squad now. So, you know, they're keeping tabs on him. But I think Dexter Williams provides the best, like, physical attributes uh, for this team going forward, and, and Jamal Williams can kind of hold down the uh, pass protection and all that. Kind of stuff. Yeah, if there's an immediate area you've got to get better at, if you're Dexter Williams, yeah. it's the pass protection. <laughs> that... Keep Aaron Rodgers upright no wow. matter what you're doing. 
Um, yep, so running back room, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, two gimmies there, Dexter Williams, and uh, the fullback, Denny Vitale. At wide receiver, Jamon Moore played almost every snap from scrimmage against the Kansas City game, and I was not aware that he was dressed. Yep, I yeah, they tried their best to say, make the team. <coughs> We're giving you a chance. Just make the team. Uh, and and um, on Kaiser's only real interception in the preseason, um, he threw one as like a Hail Mary as time expired, but uh, it was a route that Jamon Moore uh, stopped early on, was supposed to keep running, stopped. Uh, ball went right to the defender. That's on Jamon Moore not finishing the route. Um, but, yeah, he's gone. He's he, uh, a, a real disappointment of a fourth-round pick. Tio Redding played a bunch of snaps in this game. Darius Shepard played 19 and made the team despite a fumble. That was a yep. a sigh of relief. Yeah. Because he's been I think you've got to spot him that fumble. And when you look at it on the replay, yeah. he's got the ball in good carrying position. Yep. He's got his arms around it. He's carrying it with both hands. It's in the right spot in relative to like the rest mm-hmm. of him. The defender... Makes a hell of a play. Makes a hell of a play. Yep. To knock that ball out. So that's that's one you gotta grant him because yep. if you look at if you look at how you know, if if you were to think, how were I to coach this wide yeah. receiver as to be holding this ball in this situation right now, it. he's doing it that yeah. way. Yeah, and that's why it's important we you know, we watch the tapes and not just look at uh, you know the stat lines at the end of the game. He's... Malik Taylor and Trevor Davis also played in the game. Trevor Davis made the Final 53-man roster. Yeah. Over Alan Lazard. Lazard goes to the practice squad, which before the mics were on, we were kind of asking each other, how does a guy like Alan Lazard make it through waivers and get to the practice squad? I didn't anticipate him making it. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of has a little to do with that injury that kind of knocked him out of the, uh, was that the Chiefs game? Or was that the game before that where he dropped a nice ball from Kaiser over the middle? It was the um, Oakland game. Oakland game, yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't know how he makes it through. He's been uh, solid as a receiver. He's he's been faster than expected. He's also been uh, terrific on special teams. Um, I'm really, I think we're really lucky to have gotten him back uh, just onto the practice squad and everything. Um, there's definitely a chance that he sees uh, game action this year. Absolutely, I think he'll see time on the 53. Trevor Davis hasn't showed you any ability to stay healthy for a 16-game season. Nope. No idea what else is going to happen because other guys have not shown you that either. Yep. Uh, also, in the wide receiver room, Equinemia St. Brown moved to the IR. Uh, because that happened before cutdowns, uh, he is out fully for the season. Um, so I'm going to assume that that ankle injury might have been worse than reported. Or they decided, you know, him spend, he's only 22, him spending a year in, uh, you know, just watching tape, getting ready, staying healthy, not pushing his ankle. That, that ankle injury is kind of the same thing Devontae Adams had in 2015. It's the dreaded high ankle sprain. Those are a monster. They're monsters. They bo- it bogged Devontae down all year long. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a situation where Equinemia St. Brown, he's 22 right now. When, when Marquez Valdez-Scantling was drafted, he was 24. And so EQ still has two years, basically, you know, a redshirt year and one more year to hit the point where MBS was at when he was drafted. Um, and so, you know, you've, you've, you've got a little time here with EQ to let him get healthy. He's not quite hit his, his athletic prime yet. Let him do some more 
film work, get better in the footwork, let him get healthy. Um, and it's a crowded wide receiver room to begin with anyways. At tight end, we didn't see – we only saw Jay Sternberger in the game mm-hmm. make who ended up making the 53-man roster. They kept all four tight ends. Yep. They didn't do what I expected, which was cut Mercedes Lewis, but that's fine. Yeah. That's <laughs> totally normal. Evan Bayless and Farrell McKeever both got cut, so Sternberger sat out a bunch of time in the concussion protocol throughout the preseason. He's back. He's their fourth-string tight end. He is definitely a project, but he's a draft pick. They're going to hold on to him. They've got some capital sunk into that. Yeah. Uh, Offensive linemen. Every offensive lineman who played in this game is no longer a Packer. Wow. Uh, Nijman, Cole, McCray, DeBeer, Panky, and Allen. All gone. Nijman's on the practice squad. Yes. Yosh on the practice squad. I suspect we'll see him maybe in a year or two on this roster. Justin McCray is a Cleveland Brown. Yep. I think that, that was, was his seventh round pick swap, was that? I think that wasn't a swap. I think that was Straight just up. a pick. But okay. I don't understand NFL trades enough to tell you whether or not right. I'm lying to you or not. Uh, Gerhard the Beer, despite having a very good name. Very Wisconsin. Is let go. Adam Pankey, who I know nothing about, but he's been sort of floating about the Packers mm. organization for a couple of preseasons now. And Dijon Allen, who I have never heard of. Signed on Thursday. Played a few played a few snaps. And that was that was it for him. The McCray trade was interesting because yeah. what it does is it tells you that in their thinking, Cole Madison is better than Justin McCray. Yeah. Which, for that to be the case, two things. It's one of two things. Either mm-hmm. they're wrong. Yeah. Or Cole Madison's quite good. Yeah. or Despite yeah. having sat out a year. Yeah, or Cole Madison's pretty darn good. Um, yeah, Justin McCray, a few years removed from being one of Mike McCarthy's uh, season MVPs, I think it was, in 2017. Um, off the Packers to the Browns for a seventh-round pick. Um. Yeah, you know he he could play everywhere. He was a hard nosed guy. I th- I think the idea is just that uh, Cole Madison kind of fits more with this uh, power run blocking scheme than McCray did. Um. Don't know a whole a whole bunch about that. McCray not very good at moving around the field. Not no. not going to help you very much on screen passes or yeah. pulling guards or that sort of situation. He's not going to seal many edges for you. All the same, Cole Madison, congratulations yeah, because you beat out story. you beat out an NFL starting caliber offensive lineman yeah. for a roster spot. There you go. On defense, we saw a lot of James Looney, Kingsley Kiki on the line, uh, Sagapolu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kiki made the made the squad. That was not in doubt based no. on the way he's played. And uh, Fadal Brown, yeah, made the fifty three man roster. I was not expecting him to. Me neither, because he's not been very active in the preseason. No, he hasn't popped, but it's 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 so rare that nose tackles yep. and, and D linemen really pop like that. Uh, Marcus Jones, Randy Ramsey, and James Folston played outside linebacker. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, inside linebackers, Ty Summers, Brady Shelton, and James Crawford. Summers is probably going to have to go against the Bears. Yep. That may not be the best way to welcome him to the NFL. Not ideal. Uh, hopefully, like Martinez next to him, will be able to settle him down because the yep. Bears are going to show him some effed up looks. I think we're going to see a lot of Raven Green yes. at the other inside linebacking position. 
and and also kind of on the inside linebacking position, Packers make a trade with the Giants for DJ Goodson, a middle linebacker who's drafted, I believe, the fourth round. He's been a starter for now two years. Um, pretty solid, kind of an Antonio Morrison run downhill thumper, not so much a coverage guy. Uh, what this indicates to me is kind of a that that Oren Burks is going to be back soon. Is they expect him to miss the first four games? Yep. And coming back from that after that is that Oren Burks is going to be good. Is you know if if you're going after a guy who's not a all around type inside linebacker, he's just kind of a run defense type guy. Kind of indicates to me that you're going to be excited to let Oren Burks kind of man most plays. Once he's healthy. James Crawford is cut because of the Goodson acquisition. Tough to see Crawford go, mainly because I liked his attitude. He was a good special teams player. Those aren't special teams player. Yeah, those are not, I'm not going to call them rare, but they're not easy to find either. No. So it's tough to see him go, but between, excuse me, between Oren Burks and Goodson, you have to think that you've got something a little bit possibly more permanent. Yeah, or at least better for your actual defense because James Crawford was going to be hung out to dry if yeah. he had to play real snaps <laughs> yeah. on the actual defense. No, he did not. Clearly not something that he's uh, supposed to do no. in the NFL. At defensive back, Jamerson Matthews gone. Sullivan made the roster. That yeah. was not a surprise. Janet Sullivan played great over the preseason. He yep. was with the Eagles, got Playoff snaps last season. That's a, a a good amount of experience, you know, for a a young cornerback like that. He he that builds up a great cornerback room. I think a really underrated cornerback uh, room uh, this year with with Jair, um, who is who was exceptional last year. Josh Jackson, who's looked great thus far in the preseason. Tony Brown, who's looked great thus far in the preseason. Kevin King, who's played uh, not at all. Um, nope. But that's precautionary. In practice this week is what they're saying. Okay. The hamstring is one of those injuries where I don't think it I don't think we'll ever talk about Kevin King, the sixteen game starter. No. No, no, no. In the NFL because Never. once the hamstrings are suspect, they usually say stuff stay suspect. Yeah. But if we can get fourteen games out of Kevin yep. King every year, that's exciting. I think that Kevin King has the ability to be a solid uh number one corner in the NFL. But he's going to be across from Jair Alexander, who is a top five cornerback in the NFL. Kadar Holman could end up being yeah, very, Kadar, very good. Kadar Holman as well. Yeah, Kadar Holman as well could end up being a cornerback number two or three. He's just, he's he's got all the physical attributes. He's got the ball skills. He's got the uh, size. He's just really, really good. Uh, goes along with Tremont Williams as well. Uh, e. Wiley aged veteran who's maybe 90 years old. I can never remember. Um, So, you know, in my mind, this might be the best cornerback room we've seen in Green Bay in years. All in all, I thought the team looked pretty good, especially against an Andy Reid offense, Mm -hmm. which the Chiefs were certainly running their first team offensive schemes. Yeah. Rare for the preseason, but in their case, very quick passes. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple of backup quarterbacks who don't look to be an embarrassment yep. over there. So you can try it. So you can try things out. But the Packers, I thought, were very good sideline to sideline. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs didn't really 
pull any big plays out of their hat. Yeah. They're sort of that like little play, little play, little play, huge play. Yeah. Kind of tempo. They managed to not have that. Put up 20 points on the Packers, but some good drives where the Packers got them done. Uh, we've talked mostly about the 53-man roster as a matter of subtraction from who got cut after the Kansas City game. I think it's there's a couple of surprises. Alex Light was on the bubble, yeah. and he made it. Yep, That's not as big of a surprise as Cole Madison on the offensive line, mm-hmm. but you have to think that I was talking about Amy with this as much as she enjoys talking about offensive linemen in the NFL. Yeah, You have to think that in four out of five positions on the Packers' starting offensive line, mm-hmm. your backup is Elton Jenkins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Until he wins that job over Lane Taylor, he's the backup at every single position, basically. Yeah, he's the backup at center and both guards. And then if Balaga's out, Billy Turner is your right tackle. Yeah. And Elton Jenkins is your guard there. If Bakhtiari's out, you have a bigger problem. But that's... Yes. That's then well established. Perhaps the season's over. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, Elton Jenkins looked great all preseason everywhere that he played. Second round draft pick, so I'm really hoping he works out. Uh, Clark, Lowry, Adams, Kiki, Lancaster, and Fadal Brown are your defensive linemen. That's a bunch of big dudes. Yeah, and Matravius Adams, he's, he's a massive man. And we'll finally get a chance to see him fully healthy. Hopefully, because we haven't seen it yet. He's been underwhelming, but he's also been injured. That's how those things work. Yeah. Uh, Rashawn Gary had the quietest preseason, but you can still tell that he's an athlete. I A lot of second guessing is happening already from Packers fans because mm-hmm. that's what football fans do is yeah. that they're very smart. They're like 16-year-olds listening to Tool albums. Yes. And that they're like, I think I know better about how things should go. Yeah. Um. I don't know if Rashawn Gary's going to be a good player or not. You don't, you don't see guys that quick and that big very often. No, and so you got to see if you can make them into NFL players. Yeah, and that's why I think he will be good. Is you know a lot of what we saw this this uh, preseason was him kind of playing out of position and being forced to get snaps in things that he doesn't usually do. I think a lot of this year, what we're going to see from Rashawn Gary in real meaningful NFL games is pin your ears back and rush the passer is we're going to scheme you up in some exotic ways. Go get that man with the ball in the preseason. They were dropping him into coverage every once in a while. He was, you know, playing on the line a little bit, but I think once we get into the regular season, it's going to be a different scheme for Rashawn Gary. Talked about your inside linebackers. It's Martinez, Burks, Summers, and Goodson. Your safeties are Amos and Darnell Savage. Neither of them really saw much action in the preseason. I don't think Amos at all. Nope. Uh, Raven Green and Will Redmond are your backups. Good preseason for Will Redmond. Yeah, really. Came out of nowhere and won it. Won the job. Darnell Savage changed his number to 21. Yeah, of course he uh, did. 21 Savage. Yeah, he was just waiting for uh, who was wearing 21 and they got cut. Was it Jamerson? I think it was Jamerson. Yeah. So So, good job pouncing on that one. Way to sweep it, Darnell. Yeah, good work. Um, Alexander King, Williams, Brown, Jackson, Holman, and Sullivan are your seven cornerbacks. Shannon Sullivan, after game two of the preseason, I was pretty convinced. Yeah, had made, made the roster. Everyone else, not really a excuse me, not really a surprise. Crosby wins the kicking battle over Sam Ficken. I 
Never, sure. There was never a battle. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Hunter Bradley is going into his second year's long snapper. He was fantastic last year. Mm-hmm. One of the only special teams players that really had a good year yeah. last year. A uh, great seventh-round draft pick. And J.K. Scott is your punter. Mm-hmm. I read just casually on a message board that, not on a message board, I think on an NBC Sports article, okay. that J.K. Scott had a rough first year as the Packers punter. And yeah, he was okay. I would like to dispute that strongly with the man whose name I can't remember. Uh, J.K. Scott, in fact, had a fantastic rookie year Yeah, as a punter. He had three games where his net average was less than 40 yards. His average for the season was about 45. And he had a terrible special teams Yeah, unit they had an awful, atrocious special teams unit. It's pretty good for a 12-year-old playing in the, uh, the NFL. Yep. And... Boy, his preseason numbers and kicks look good. He's another guy who has that eye test. He can hit the ball a thousand yards. Yeah, he really, he really boots it. So yeah. those are your Packers. We are going to take a quick break, probably. Yeah, we're at the taking a break part of the show. We'll take a quick break. We will talk more about the Packers, most likely, when we get back on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. He's like 11. Wow, Fred. You're a grown-up. You've seen so many things. He was a year old when we got him in Greensboro, when our old cat died. That was a decade ago, so he's 11 years old. You can tell he's he's kind of like floppier. And yeah. He's got that kind of old, old cat. He's got the old cat, old cat belly. Yep. Yeah, he's his limbs are a little. Not limber. He was a big, yeah, he was a big. He was a big puffy boy mm. when he was like three or four. But he's he's as friendly as he always has been. That's the thing is that he's from like day one. He was just like, "I'm your buddy. I'm your friend. I'm yep. your friend. Hi, Fred. Hey, Fred. All right, Fred the friend." It's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the podcast where we hang out with my cats and talk right. Packers football. We have a Twitter account where you can tweet at us your opinions about Packers football. Um, tell me that I'm wrong about Boyle over Kaiser. Tell Matt that he's correct about Thank you. Boyle over Kaiser. Please do that. <laughs> um, I have no problem being wrong about football because usually I am wrong about football. That's what I do. I'm Mike Fleischman. I'm at MP Fleischman. That's Matt Mellumsetter. He is at Mellumsetter. The Chicago Bears are the Thursday night matchup. It's another year where there's a ton of uncertainty around both of these teams. I think the attitude here in Chicago is Super Bowl, baby. Yep, and I'm I'm reading through the uh, score predictions on the Bears SB Nation blog, and they are so funny. 
There's a couple like uh, sixty to nothing. Yeah, 30, there's got to be a few sixty to nothing. Thirty-four to nothing. Oh, Thirty-one nice. to thirteen. Good. Yeah. Thirty-three to six. Uh huh. Okay. If you think that Mitch Trubisky's gonna hang a thirty piece, I want to have whatever drug it is that you're doing. Whatever I want to have whatever drug Trubisky's doing I, if he does that. What? Yeah. No. I also want whatever steroid and uh, mind enhancement pills that Mitch Trubisky took. Um, but I also want whatever you're on if you think that he can string that together. This one is 52 to 12. Nice. Uh, I don't know. That's a conservative prediction. Yeah. No. Aren't these supposed to be? No. You're not. <laughs> not a journalist. <laughs> um, I, I love it. I, I love I love Bears fans. I love the football attitude around Chicago. And I say that in jest a little bit, but I also say that very really is that this team has been absolute garbage for a long time. For 20 years. And they showed some real signs of turning it around. They put together a very, very good defense last year and got a coach who really crossed up a bunch of teams by running a weird offense with mm. some talented guys. Last year got some great performances out of some uh, yeah, guys that maybe wouldn't have a big impact on other teams that didn't know how to use them as well. Coming into year two, he's got a lot of the same guys, and he's made some lateral moves at some positions, and he's made some backwards moves at others. Yeah. And the league has a year of film on yep. the Matt Nagy offense. And I think for Matt Nagy as a coach, the question is going to be, are you going to call plays when you're down by 14 the same way that you call them when you're up by 14? Yeah. That's... Because he's going to be down by 14 at points this season. And if he goes into a shell like he did last season, yep. it's, it's going to he's going to have a hard time holding on to the locker room, yeah. and he's going to have a hard time holding on to the Chicago press. Yeah. Oh, my God. In, I, I mean, I've made this prediction since the week he got drafted. Trubisky doesn't last through his, his first contract. Um, but, I mean... Every story coming out of Bears camp and everything is that they've had to scale the offense back for Mitch Trubisky this year, is that they've had to pull things back, that he's looked so bad. And some of the press has been like, well, it's because the defense is that darn good. But I, this is a defense that we've seen take not lateral moves, but actual steps back. I mean, Chuck Pagano is not as good as Vic Fangio. Uh, last year, not last year, but a few coaches were pulled, like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, some big name, really successful coaches in the NFL were pulled. Who's the worst defensive coordinator to go up against? Who do you hate playing against the most? Every single one said Vic Fangio. And so I think that that's a bigger step back than most people, uh, particularly in Chicago media, are willing to accept, perhaps. And I also think that uh, the loss of Adrian Amos is going to be huge to that defense. They're not going to like some of the things that HaHa Clinton Dix does on or off the field. No, you're really not. And with a cornerback room that's that thin, uh, I mean, if Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamura are your best two cornerbacks, it's not a good situation to be in. Um, I mean, Eddie Jackson's going to be Eddie Jackson, but Eddie Jackson's going to play the ball a lot. <laughs> he's he, very, very good. He's very, very good, and he's incredible at playing the ball. But Eddie Jackson is, is a play the ball first, play the receiver second. Adrian Amos was a play the receiver first, play the ball second. And that tandem worked out great. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix is a, oh, I'll play the ball, but I won't later. play the man. Yeah, I'll play the ball later. Um, and so, you, you know, this kind of combination of two guys who 
play relatively similar roles in uh, relishing the opportunity to chase the ball, but not necessarily to chase the man. Uh, I think, and and with that weak cornerback situation, could lead to some 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 bad things in the past. Guys might be open. Yeah, that's whether or not the quarterback is still standing yes. when is, those guys are open. Yeah, because that pass rush is as as talented as oh, ever. So good. And that linebacking room with Rokon Smith getting another year under his belt. I mean, that linebacking room is as talented as ever. It really is the secondary that I think yeah. is going to take a massive hit. I'm not predicting a failure for the Bears. I think they'll I mean, have a, a successful season. But And I'm not predicting failure for Nagy specifically, but I am saying that these kind of situations, second year, where you've got very similar personnel, yep. and you've had a Cinderella season the year before, this is where trouble can arise. Yep. And I'm interested to see whether or not they face that or whether they succumb to a little bit. This is a bit of a hotshot coach in second-year situation with them. And Nagy, to me, has not really proven that he's going to be like a long-term successful coach in the NFL because hanging on to a locker room for you know, everyone was truly on board for the year. Yeah. If they're truly on board two and a half seasons from now, yeah, then we can talk. Then we're fine. But it could go wrong. They uh, they have some they they have some real players. You talked about their their uh, defensive linemen and their linebackers are really yeah, fantastic. So um, they still have Danny Trevathan, who is a absolute menace. Yeah. Josh Woods is not a bad player either. Um, Eddie Goldman is an underrated player mm-hmm. for them. Akeem Hicks is now properly rated. Finally, he's yeah. been, he was underrated for too long. They still don't have wide receivers. I'm sorry. No, they <laughs> they, they don't really. Another thing I think that's you know important to look at when we talk about this this potential for a step back here is is along with the second year tape, it's you're going up against teams that are good now and know how to utilize the tape. Last yep. year, the Bears were playing, uh, you know, in the worst spot in the division, so they played the worst team in the other divisions that you know the Packers that the NFC North plays against. Now they won the division, so they play the number ones. So I mean, they'll be playing the Saints, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Chiefs this year, along with two Packers games, two Vikings games. Um, you know, a gimme against the Raiders, a gimme against the Broncos, gimme against Washington. But regardless, those are a, that's a big chunk of really good teams. That last year it was the Buccaneers and yep. the Jets and the Dolphins, and so you know it's 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 a different situation this year. The Giants, the Giants, yeah. I mean, it's, you get a gimme this year against the Giants, but question I have at running back is you. Get rid of Jordan Howard. Yeah. You replace him with David Montgomery. Yeah. Who people seem to really like. He looks great. He looks great. That's another. You've tossed the coin up. I don't know where it's landing yet. Yeah. To me, Jordan Howard is a matter of, I know what he didn't do Yeah. on your offense, and then he didn't give the ball away. Yeah. He also wasn't a big play back, but. No, he, he, was, he was perfect for that John Fox system of, of you know, we, we have to run it. 50 times this game because we, we can't throw it. Mm-hmm. We aren't in a situation where we can't throw it. We'd have to put Mike Glennon in if we wanted to throw it. Um, and so Jordan Howard had some great years under the John Fox system, which was hamstrung by their quarterback situation. Then he comes to the Nagy situation where a little bit more emphasis on throwing the ball, and he's not great in 
a passing down situation. He's not great catching the ball out of the backfield. Montgomery is a a really interesting guy, I think, for the Bears to pick up. What it does, though, is it, it hamstrings how many touches Tariq Cohen's going to get. I mean, it, if both of them are at 15 touches, great. But Tariq Cohen's such a game-changing guy. Do you want him on the field more? Or you just spent your highest draft capital that you had on Dave Montgomery, this new running back, does he get the majority of the snaps? I, I, you've put yourself in a situation where you're, perhaps your best player out on the perimeter is now going to have lesser touches than he did before. I love Tariq Cohen. I think he's, he's incredible. He's, I'm a big fan of his. But he just can't do everything for you. He's too small. Yeah. Questions on whether or not you use Cohen properly because Cohen is another one of those guys who disappeared yep. when Matt Nagy went into his shell a little bit. Yep. So bold usage of Cohen is going to help you. Yeah. More usage of Cohen is going to help you. Don't give him 30 touches a game. Don't give him 25 rushes. Find creative ways to get him the ball in screens, in space, line him up wide. He needs to get the ball no matter where he's out on the field. He's your most dynamic player and kind of a the only real semblance of, of playmaking on that offense. He can do a bunch of stuff for you. Yeah. This game's at Soldier Field. Here's my prediction for Thursday night. It's not going to be whether or not the Packers win or lose, Yeah, but Soldier Field is going to be shaking. Like You'll be able to feel yeah. the shaking from here yeah. at my southwest side of state. The Bears are going to try something early. There is going to be either an onside kick to open the yeah. season or, oh my God. Yeah. or a trick play out of the box. Yep. Like first down and 10 on their first possession. And they are most likely going to go up early on the Packers. Yep. Now, that doesn't bother me at all. Mm, no. Just because, okay, you're up early with Trubisky. Uh, the only situation we've seen Mitch Trubisky play like a good quarterback in is when he's down. Um, probably be okay. Yeah, I, I'm just interested to see the whole the whole Chicagoland area is going to have 15 minutes of like 120 percent energy. Yeah. Yep. And I want to see if the team has play the whole game energy. Yeah. It, which we hardly ever saw last year from the Bears. Mm-hmm. We very rarely saw them put together four quarters. So often it was get up early or slow start, finish the game strong. And that's the contrast against the Packers, who are going to run the ball more. They're going to be more deliberate. They're going to be based more on tempo. Yep. If they get a couple of three and outs earlier, are they going to stick with their game plan? Yeah. Because they've got to find a way to take some of that energy away from the Bears early. And then now the third quarter for me is where this, where I see this game being decided. Mm-hmm. Is back out of the locker room. Are the Bears going to be a little quieter and a little happier with like a 7-14 to 14 point lead? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a blowout at, by that point? I don't, I don't know, but yeah, are I don't. The, are I, the yeah are the Packers going to maintain what they actually want to do methodically throughout the game? Yeah, because they're not running a trick play offense. <laughs> they're running a they're running they're running twenty one personnel two backs and a tight end. Yeah, throat. Um, yeah, I you know I I wouldn't be surprised with the trick play to start the game for the Bears. Um, something ridiculous. And I, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Packers have been sitting on that and expecting that just because of that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about what's Matt Nagy going to do to open a season 
it's he's probably going to do something that symbolizes something. Yeah, flea flicker or well, I, like I mean, halfback option pass from Cohen or some, he, something. Their first play last year was the wing was out of the wing tee. Yeah. It was this big throwback to classic football, classic Bears history. Um, yeah, he's going to try and make it 7 nothing on one play from scrimmage. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's it's weird that after watching 16 games of Bears football last year, Matt Nagy started to become predictably unpredictable. Yeah. Like the unpredictable moments, you started to get when they were going to happen. It was like watching uh, like a, a episode of, of Shark Tank or something where it's like, the first one is the first pitch is never a deal. The second pitch is always a deal. The third pitch is this, you, like a, a structured, plotted television show. Was watching Bears football, um, so you know I I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears won this game by a chunk. I wouldn't be surprised if they struggled to get any offense going and lost by a chunk. Um, I think it'll be a close game and a, and a, a tough game for both teams. Yeah, it's a real tough spot to start the season for Green Bay because it puts them against a team that challenges a lot of their weak spots. Yeah, which is their ability to run a new offense and score yeah. points. Yeah, it's 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 the worst game to open with a fully new offense. There's no time to settle in or take a game to get going again. You know, it it really is you're being thrown straight into the fire of maybe the best defense in the league, maybe. You know, a defense that takes a couple steps back from where they were last year, you know, it's hard to be at that historical greatness level for two seasons in a row, and it's hard to keep a good defense together for more than three seasons. Um, So we'll see where they're at uh, this season. Week week one, of course, is the Bears. Week two is the Vikings. Week three is the Broncos. Week four is the Eagles. That's uh, that's four elite Tough opening stretch. (laughs) Open up the season. Uh, five, six, seven, and eight. However, are Cowboys, Lions, Raiders, and then at the Chiefs. One of those is tough. The yeah. others are very winnable. And then Chargers, Panthers, Forty ers Giants, Redskins. Then back to Bears, Vikings, Lions to finish it out. Mm-hmm. There's a middle section of that schedule, including a bye. Where was the bye? It's immediately after Week Ten against the Panthers. That's a good late bye. Yeah. To have drawn for Green Bay. We'll see if they will most likely need to be getting healthy yeah. right around then. One last look at the Packers practice squad. It's Nijman, the offensive lineman, Looney, the defensive lineman, Manny Wilkins, who hurdled a man yeah. <laughs> against Kansas City, yeah. uh, Kavian Ento, the cornerback, Malik Taylor at wide receiver. Boy, I have no impression of him at all. Randy Ramsey, who appears to be a project pass rusher. Evan Bayless, who is a tight end. Trey Carson, the running back. Brady Sheldon, the inside linebacker. And Alan Lazard. Out of all those guys, Alan Lazard is the only one that I have any sort of real excitement for. Yeah, I, I think he, he can provide something to this team. He will, uh, Yeah, you, you expect to see him before the season's out. I do as well. Reggie Gilbert was, uh, was shipped off to somewhere for a draft pick. The Titans. I, they sent him to the Titans right. for a draft pick that was just... A late, late round, like a six or seven. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at your two Smiths, Rashawn Gary and Kyler Fackrell, as your outside rushers, Reggie Gilbert becomes very, yeah. very redundant in that. You know, I, I don't want to give Kyler Fackrell any praise, but you know, saying he's better than Reggie Gilbert, it's not isn't a, really no, isn't really not saying a lot that that big of a thing. And there's one last thing. 
that I wanted to talk about, and that was I was presented a list of players that the Packers drafted in the first round between 2010 and 2017 that are currently not on any yeah. 53-man roster yeah, I know. in the NFL. Did you see this list? No, but I can <laughs> think of a lot of them. Uh, all right. Um, I want you. I want. Let's see how many you get. Okay. Um, who are not on any roster? What was the starting year? Uh, 2010 to 2017. Just first rounders. Just first rounders. I um, think. 2010 to 2017. Ooh, was Quentin Rollins first round or second round? I believe he's first round. Okay. Or was Demarius Randall the first round that? Year? But he's on the list. He's on the list. Okay. Um, Justin Harrell was he before that or after that? Where was Quentin Rollins drafted? Because that'll tell me. All right. So this list is first and second round. First picks. and second round. Okay. I'm uh, doing good podcasting stuff right Josh now. So Jones. you get Ro- Rollins. You get Josh Jones, who is apparently the Bills are interested in him. Jason Spriggs. Jason Spriggs. You're three now. Um, did I get Justin Harrell? Did that count? BJ Raji count? He was 2009, wasn't he? Raji not on the list. Harrell okay. not on the list. Okay. Um, Running back. Oh. Running back. Mm-hmm. Brennan Jackson. Eddie Lacy. Oh, Eddie Lacy's not on a team? He's not on a team. What? He might end up on one, but not current. As whoa. Of, as of yesterday. Was as not- of you, oh, whoa. Yeah. What? Where was he at earlier? Seahawks last year? Yeah, but was he on somebody else to start this? Was he on... Second round, 2013. Wow. Currently a free agent. Wow. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, so, Eddie Lacy. Wow. That's a big... That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's great. He was 2013? Yep. Wow. Wow. Um, Think defense now. Nick, is Nick Perry still on a team? Nick Perry. Nick Perry's There's gone. One. Wow. Um... We got Mantravius Adams. All right, I'm going to fill it in. Fill it in. I want, Dead I air is happening here. Mike Neal. Oh, yeah. Derek Sherrod. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Jarrell Worthy. Oh. And one final one. Like, if your head wasn't already in your hands, it's about to be. Uh. Dayton Jones. Oh, I forgot about him. Oh, I was, I was like, there's a linebacker who I keep forgetting. So first and second round picks. It's not crazy to forget about any of those guys. Over seven, <laughs> over seven drafts, who are not on any fifty-three man roster: Mike Neal, Derek Sherrod, Nick Perry, Jarrell Worthy, Dayton Jones, Eddie Lacy, Quentin Rollins, Jason Spriggs, and Josh oh, Jones. God, bad. that is that is. I don't know if you could find that many players out of any other team in the NFL. We're not currently on a 53-man from seven years of no. first and second round picks. That's insane. That is an awful miss rate. Yeah, that's a that's bad. Ted Thompson did great on undrafted free agents for depth and late-round draft picks. Struggled a lot down the stretch in first-rounders and second-rounders. It's also a great illustration of what happened to the team is that, no, yeah. you know, because after your Super Bowl year, where's your talent coming from? Your talent is no longer being built through the draft. Yeah. Because and your it's draft also picks not being, are terrible. And it's also not being signed through free agency. Yeah. Um, there's no talent is the answer to that question. Yeah. Wow. Holy crud. 
thought you might enjoy that. Yeah, no, that was that was fun. And by enjoy that, I mean not enjoy that. Not enjoy it at all. <laughs> uh, thank you to whoever it is provided me with that list. Thank you. <laughs> that was that was fantastic, and I enjoyed sharing that with you. Man, we will be back next week to talk about Packers Bears. Um, I have to be out the entire weekend. I would love to like do a quick turnaround and talk about Packers Bears as soon as possible, but I don't know if we can do that. I'm not going to schedule our podcast while no. recording it. No, that's what uh, we'll try to be back around. It'll, it'll come up by Tuesday for sure Okay, is what I will say, but I'm looking forward to talking about actual real NFL football oh God, so wait. much. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you for sticking with us through the off season. If indeed you have stuck with us through the off season, thank you for, uh, for listening to our cool podcast. Follow us at cheese, Chicago land. Follow me at MP Fleischman. Follow him at Mellum Setter. Uh, check me out on GlobeRadio.org every Friday night for Penn Kingsman football. We do play-by-play of one of the top high school programs in the state of Indiana. They are facing a Chicago squad or a Chicago suburban squad this Friday. The Vikings of Homewood Flossmore wow. are coming into what town. Led by longtime Indiana region head coach Craig Bazia who coached at Portage all the way from the 90s into the early 2000s. He's found a home, like me, in the Illinois area. So, Homewood Flossmore, that's a big challenge. Penn scheduling those out-of-state opponents from football schools. Yeah. So, a huge challenge coming up for the Kingsmen. We're doing that on Fridays. Uh, High school football is a lot of fun. And one of these days... Matt, I'm going to know what all the penalty calls are. Yeah, someday. Or maybe I'll just continue turning to my left or right to whoever's sitting there. And go, and what was it? Like, What's that penalty call? <laughs> What's it mean when he puts <laughs> the hands kind of over his shoulder? <laughs> That's the lay of game. Okay. I know that one. <laughs> there was a... Is that an eligible downfield? No, that's something else. This is 12. Yeah, that's 12. This is an eligible downfield. It is. Incomplete pass. Well, yeah, I know that one. You'll know that one. I know wind to the clock. <laughs> That's a classic one. Um, there was one that I was talking with the uh, the white hat when he came up to uh, to eat pizza with us in the press box before the game. There was some sort of defensive penalty that crossed up like everyone. Yeah. Last last week, I don't remember what it was, but he was like, "Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing, too." <laughs> <laughs> I just called it. Boo. He was kidding, but yeah. even still, it's like, yeah, my side judge told me that was a call, and I was like, I got to know how to make the hand signal for it. <laughs> uh, one time I was I was playing in a basketball tournament, and the uh, referee blows the whistle, and we look for the call, and he just goes, there was a whole lot of pushing and shoving and all of that, <laughs> so it's going that way. And we went, it's possible that's, that... All right, that's a call. <laughs> it's possible that he was giving him the business. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it <laughs> that's still the greatest greatest time a referee has ever said words into a microphone was he was giving him the business <laughs> there's nothing there's not a single hockey explanation that, no that ever will match up to that <laughs> there's nothing you can give brevity is the soul of wit and he was giving him the business is the soul of the soul of wit <laughs> 
Ah, thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We'll talk to you next week after a regular season game has occurred. Until then, stay cheesy, baby. Cheesy.